Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is application security, and we're talking with Roger Thornton, Founder and Chief Technology Officer with Fortify Software. Roger, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you. start our conversation, I wanted to ask you, how do these survey results and this confidence issue map against what you hear from your own customers at Fortify? Sure, Tom. The um, you know there's there's um, I, I guess the first and most important thing to say is you know a lot of the respondents to this survey were in the banking uh, sector and financial services community where um, they've for the most part been working on this problem four or five in some cases six years and so a lot of these institutions have confidence in not only their ability to locate vulnerabilities in software, but also produce software that is um, relatively free of vulnerabilities. But there is, though, a lot of companies we talk to that are confident that their applications are safe without that five years of practice doing it. And so you always have to, when when somebody tells you they're confident their applications are secure, you have to have to dig a little bit deeper and find out if they're confident because they have processes in place to ensure and, and, and measure, and their confidence comes from seeing those uh, metrics and those measurements get better over time, or if they're just generally confident uh, because, you know, their developers are good developers and they would never make security mistakes. Um, you know, from this survey, given who was responding, I think the, the confidence on internal was, was probably merited um, because, again, a lot of the people doing the survey were, were from that industry. Um, but their, their lack of confidence... Uh, outside their own development shops uh, is very warranted. Um, we are, uh, you know, at Fortify, we've been working in space since really 2002, and for the first several years of our um, uh, work with the marketplace, overwhelmingly it was the, you know, top-tier global banks, government agencies that, that were real active in this. Now we are starting to see the uh, independent software vendors that, service uh, uh, the banking industry as well as you know, manufacturing companies and retail companies starting to um, get on board. But uh, uh, naturally, many of these companies are, are literally years behind where, where the banks are. You know, Roger, I want to pick up on that confidence issue that you spoke to on both levels. Let's talk about it in terms of in-house applications. As you say, the survey respondents indicate they've got some confidence in what they develop in-house, and, and you say this jives with what you see. Where does this confidence come from? Well, <clears throat> as I was mentioning, you know, there's, um, when, when I talk to somebody and ask them you know, what, what, what their confidence on the internal stuff is, you know, it'll, it'll come from either um, a lack of awareness of the problem and, and, and that would be, let's say, the naive confidence. And, you know, I'll hear people say things like, well, you know, our developers are really good and they're, you know, we only hire from the top colleges and they're all smart and therefore we can't have any security problems or, or you know, we, for all we know, we haven't been breached. And one of the things is if, if that's the basis of confidence, um, it's, it's, it's probably uh, not well placed. And, and when I'm talking to someone like that, one of the first things I'll, I'll um I'll, I'll tell them or, or ask them to think about is, you know, clearly uh, companies like Microsoft had uh, and, and continue to have, but, 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 you know, in the past they had some really bad security problems. They, they have since implemented processes to those problems go away, but clearly they had problems. 
And now if you think about the average developer at Microsoft, these are very smart, very capable, hardworking people, right? So security vulnerabilities in your code aren't, uh, you know, they, they, they can be created by the best developers on Earth. What, what's, what's important is that when you look at your software engineering or your software procurement process, that you see the controls in place to assure and, and measure that your software is indeed secure. And um, I want to stress, Microsoft's probably one of the industry leaders in doing that and around their operating systems. A lot of care is taken to the development of that software and with a lot of banks. So if the person you're talking to is uh, feeling a confidence because he's able to pull up the um, uh, uh, security assessments of every major application uh, within their portfolio, then that's confidence that's coming from from knowledge or from activity. But but uh, they're both out there. When someone's confident, you always got to dig a little deeper and find out, are you confident because you got the data from the effective measurements that are showing that you're making improvements around security? Or are you just generally confident because you got smart developers and you're doing a good job? Well, that's a good distinction. Roger, let's turn this around now and look at the third-party service providers. There's a lot of regulation in the banking industry stressing the necessity of vendor management and making sure that the services that your vendors provide for you are, are just as safe as yours are supposed to be, just as secure. And yet we see that there's not as much confidence from our respondents in those applications that are developed or managed by their vendors. Um, why is this? Why not the confidence? Are they not seeing the, the type of metrics that they need to? Yeah, um, for the most part, and, and again, you know, your your top tier global banks do a very good job of first risk management, identifying which third parties um, uh, could put the bank at risk. And in a lot of cases, it's a third party that holds information that the bank has been entrusted with, or third parties that are doing processes that the bank's counting on uh, to be in business. And so the first uh, thing they do well is the risk management activities to, to find um, you know the ones to go look at first, and then uh, most of the top tier banks are really good at doing audits on their partners and going in and scratching the surface. And for years they've been doing audits on network security and infrastructure security and, and these types of things. So the last couple of years they've they've started to do audits on application security, and the um, and the data they're getting back is is is. I, I would I would stress as expected, not where it needs to be, right? So, so if you're a, a major bank and you've been working on application security for five years, and now you're reaching out to your business partners, they're not going to be at the same stage that you're at day one, right? So, so, so they they're, they're not expecting the third parties to be there immediately, but they're expecting them to take this seriously and, and start to implement controls and, and and auditing processes so that so that they're good. And, you know, one of the things, too, to stress, and I, I'll use the example, probably the, the best example of this, when when we read a newspaper article about credit cards being compromised, we see the brands Visa, American Express, MasterCard over and over and over again, right? Well, those companies have some of the best security in the world, and the mo- normally when we're reading about a credit card breach in the newspaper, it wasn't those companies. It was their business partners. It could be a retailer, it could be a, a university, it could be, a, a, you know, the bank. And so the companies, the credit card companies, realized that the security practices of their business partners would affect 
the brand of their of their company, right? And so so it was incumbent upon them to bring their broad set of business partners up to a level of security that was commensurate with their own. And then we all know, of course, that's that's PCI, right? The um, payment card industry security specification, data security specification that that um, many 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 companies today are, are held accountable to. And when I meet people who feel the wrath of now, the PCI regiment, you know, they feel a little bit like, gosh, why is this, you know, why, why all of a sudden am I have to jump through these hoops? And one of the things I stress to remind them is you're jumping through those hoops because uh, if, if you have a problem, you're going to harm your business partner. And your business partner doesn't want that. And he wants you to do good and actually, in a way, sharing with you what state-of-the-art information security is. And um, so sometimes we can look at this you know, larger company asking the smaller companies to do things is quite punitive when, when actually it's, it's the reverse. The larger companies sharing with with all their business partners the, the best practices. I say anyone that disagrees with you can talk to Hannaford or TJX, and I bet they would they would get a dissenting opinion. Yeah, you know, and I mean, it, those those are good examples where you know the you know the the, the security practices in both cases were were really deplorable and. Do bad enough, your your brand's going to get it in this paper too. But um, you know, for for every one of those real high profile end cases, number of them that you know, ultimately, you know, the, the other thing, of course, is when when credit card information is compromised, consumer credit profiles or what have you, and fraudulent transactions are are incurred, it, it is the banks that that literally lose money, right? So they, of course, are um, very 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 young. Um, Aggressive in making sure that their business partners don't uh, don't cost them more money <laughs> than they planned, right? No, you're right. Now, Roger, the, sort of the confidence issue aside here, one of the things that seemed to me to be a bit of a disconnect is that whatever the level of confidence, institutions don't seem to be putting a lot of effort into consistent processes for identifying and remediating application security vulnerabilities. And I want to ask you, what's behind this disconnect? Well, you know, um, from my experience, um, talking to a lot of companies and getting to know people during this process, I, I, I truly believe people go through a, uh, a series of stages of, of awareness or maturity around the problem. And, and so the first, you know, there, there's a lot of companies out there that think, hey, you know what, I've got a firewall, I've got access control, my systems are safe, right? And, and the reality is, and it's kind of backing up a little bit, there was once upon a time where our network and our infrastructure was wide open. People would come in and would steal things and harm things, and that was a big problem. And then came all of the the, the core infrastructure security we have today and solved that problem. Well, what happened is the bad guys didn't go away. They um, said, okay, well, your infrastructure is secure. Where am I going to go next? Go up the stack. I'm going to look at your applications and see if I can use your software as a basis to get into your system, steal data, you know, break things, what have you. And so, and so there's a lot of companies that feel like, hey, I've got this infrastructure security. I must be secure. Well, you fast forward to today, you're, you're, you're not. And so there's this openness that the software matters as well as, as the network. And from that point of, of, of initial awareness of the problem, the, the first thing that, that generally makes sense to people is, okay, well, I've got a bunch of software running my enterprise. How many vulnerabilities do I have? What kind of vulnerabilities do I have? Where are the vulnerabilities? And so they'll they'll set up either formally or informally, uh, you know, internally, 
uh, um, you know, using technology like Fortify or, or externally, they might hire consultants to do it for them. But they'll they'll go into this assessment phase, and in the assessment phase, you know, they find out that yep, sure enough, I've got vulnerabilities, and I've got some really bad ones over here, and some medium ones over there, and that's very useful data. But if you think about it, if, if you know, knowing you have a problem is, is only the first step, right? You got to go fix it. But really key to stress, and you know, banking regulations mandate that all public-facing applications have an assessment once a year. And so there's a lot of applications that once a year they'll do that assessment and find out that you know, the application's got problems. Okay, check the box. We did the assessment. Move on, right? There's not long after doing that over and over, people figure out, well, wait a minute. I've got these problems. Let me, let me go back to the IT department. And let me ask them to fix these issues and assess and remediate. And there are companies that we work with that have pretty big organizations that, you know, get the code as it shipped or, you know, legacy code, what have you. They do assessments. They come up with a work list, project plan, send it back to IT to be reworked. And that's, that's, that's where a lot of companies are today. But there really is a, a, a better place to be, and that is, pushing into the software development life cycle while you're building or maintaining, right, even if it's legacy stuff and you're in for maintenance, while that work is going on, looking for the vulnerabilities so that when it's shipped and as it's tested, you've got the assurance that, that it is indeed free of vulnerabilities. And what that does, it saves you from you know, building code, finding vulnerabilities, fixing it. It's building code and fixing it at the same time. And that's kind of a, a preventative Model. And so when you look at companies and you look at their processes, a lot of them, as I said, will, will have no processes whatsoever, right, an occasional assessment. And that's clearly not the place to be. There's a growing number that have a process where they can assess code, they can fix those vulnerabilities and get that code patched up and repaired. And the real leaders are to the point of of, of integration with the SDL that, that they're just simply producing code that is secure. And and there's a couple things to note, you know, if you're building your own systems in your IT department, you definitely want to be in that third bucket, right? Because you want to build things, you want to have those things secure, you don't want to build them and rework them. But when you buy something from a third party, whether you have, you know, a big third party like a Microsoft or an Oracle or a specialized third party, you know, maybe someone that does a custom software for your vertical industry, you, 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 you still need to do assessment and you, you won't be doing remediation, you're going to be doing rejecting, right? So, so whenever somebody gives you a piece of software, you need to have as part of your process either preferably that third party shows you their assurance that the software is secure. In other words, they're building it to be secure and they're actually showing you the artifacts that, that attest to that fact. or you can do a third-party assessment of their code if you find vulnerabilities, send it back to them. And it's kind of the same thing, right? If you if someone's giving you code and you're doing an assessment and you're finding vulnerabilities and you're giving it back to them, you definitely haven't hit the state of the art, right? Because this is a very cumbersome and expensive process and adds lag time to everything. But if um, ideally a third party's handing you code and then ask, they're able to produce all sorts of test results, um, and analysis, these kinds of things that show you that, yes, indeed, we do security as part of building the software for you, and here are the metrics 
from our internal uh, security process. And um, unfortunately, uh, that level of sophistication hasn't quite hit the the second tier of companies yet. And this is though what what the banks are looking for, and they're third party partners, right? They 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 don't want you to just ship an application and fix it when they get it back to you. They want you to build it right in the first place. Well, you've got banking institutions captured well because, as you know, they respond to regulators. You know, they do what they're told to do when they're told to do it. And now we're at a time where the regulatory agencies are telling them about application security and are giving them direction on vendor management. So in this environment, you've got a lot of institutions now. You've got their attention. So what are some proactive ways that these banking institutions can start to tackle application security if they've not done it well? Um, well, <clears throat> I, you would be we'd be talking the, the the second tier banks because really just about every first tier major global bank um, is doing something. There there might be a few exceptions, but I mean that really all the all the all the major guys have pretty good um, processes in place. But we meet every day regional banks and smaller banks, banks in other c- countries, um, and and simply for them is to. You know, follow what the what the leaders have done, and the and the very first thing is to make sure that somebody in the organization owns application security. That there's a you know a, a person responsible for the for the process. Now, ultimately, your IT developers are going to own the building of, of of software correctly, just as they own the building of software um, functionally. But, but you really need a single person to spearhead that. And, and one of the most common things that, that, that we'll see is the, the establishment of uh, a, um, a center of excellence or, or a, a security team that can do audits on, on programs, that can red team applications, that can perform all the various different types of uh, hacking techniques to um, validate internally that there is or is not a problem. Now, for some companies that are smaller, you might you might work with a third party like Fortify or, or one of our consulting partners to play that role for you. But but you ultimately want to have some group in house that can be a gold standard on whether a piece of code is here or not. And then uh, the next thing is developer awareness, making sure that developers and and program managers and um, all you various people inside the IT organization have both awareness. Uh, training on the importance of application security, um, and, the, and that you know some of our uh, customers have fabulous documentaries that you when you you know come on board to work there as a developer. You have computer-based training classes that show videos on why this is so important and have you. And it doesn't have to be that sophisticated, but but some level of of training and awareness. And then the next thing is um, looking at the software development. And software procurement processes, and 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 not you don't have to revamp them, you don't have to rehaul them, but you just got to put a couple of extra processes in to make sure that security is being considered as things are built, which will be uh, a little bit easier because it's more in your control, and as things are purchased, which is a little bit more of a uh, contract uh, contractual exercise, making sure your contracts specify that. Any software is given to you as some assurances of security, and uh, vendor management and audit. Make sure that you know I'm doing a great job. 
from security, you can trust me, here's my code, you want to reserve the right to audit that fact. Um, and again, large uh, financial institutions already doing that and doing it well. You know, the early adopters, we saw different approaches and different ways to go, but over the years, they've all kind of fallen into very similar patterns, and it, and it basically makes sense, right? You know, I want to go from today, I've got all this software, I have no idea if it's secure or not, and where am I putting my business and data at risk, to a future where every piece of code I have, I have a pretty good assurance, and all the test cases and all the data to to, uh, to, to attest to it that um, that, that software is going to perform well in a hostile environment. And that's you know, obviously something that takes time to do, but it's never going to start until you start with the first application and the first uh, development team that working on the most important stuff and then work your way down that way. Roger, one last question for you. As you know, uh, the economic situation in the financial services industry just changed historically in the last week. In that context, what are some of the cost-effective strategies that institutions can employ now to get a better handle on their application security? Great question, and I mean, there's there's no doubt, and, and we see it in our customer base. Um, so our, uh, if if yeah, I were to have told you two years ago that two of the customers in our financial services portfolio weren't weren't going to be around. Today, you would never believe that in a million years, but I mean, we're seeing prime, pristine, major companies go under. Um, you know, the, the the fact is is that security, unfortunately, is not an activity that's going to reduce operational cost, right? But security itself can be performed more effectively or less effectively, right? And so, but when you go into bad economic times, I don't think there's any company that's going to say. These times are so bad, let's not defend our business, right? But instead, we can look at security and say, are we doing this in the most cost-effective way possible? Because we want to take all of our dollars and focus them more on the core business. When you look at the um, do-nothing strategy on application security, which basically would say, you know, I've got my network security, I got my infrastructure security, but my apps, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let those be exposed. That strategy costs more than you would think because what's going to happen is there will be some compelling event, could be a breach, could be a business partner who says, hey, you know what, you've got to get these applications uh, shored up. It could be the OCC or uh, FIEC or some other uh, banking regulatory body that comes and tells you you have to. When when you've got to go into your applications in an emergency, you know, go bug fix everything and triage it, it's going to cause massive disruption, not just in your, um, you know, finding people to get that work done in, a, in, a, in an emergency mode, but it's going to disrupt all the other IT projects you're working on. And so looking at application security as a proactive, starting today, having every development group build security into applications would be far less expensive. And there's there's a corollary to this, you know, um, from the manufacturing world and also from the software world. If, if, if I build something and I build it wrong, and then at some later point in time, I've got to go back into that and correct it, I've got to rework it, costing me much higher than if I incrementally had built it right in the first place. 
And um, you know, we've run these models and done ROIs with customers, and you can expect 10, 20 uh, a, a times more expensive per issue fix uh, in a piece of code that has actually been built, QA'd, tested, shipped, and delivered. Um, and in the era that we're in right now, more important than ever, you want to look at each of these functions and say, okay, what's the absolutely, absolutely most cost-effective way I can do this? With application security, that is as far upstream in development as you can. Roger, you make some great points. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Great, Tom. It was a really pleasure chatting with you, and hopefully uh, those are some ideas that those that are listening can take and put to work in their own organizations. And, of course, if anybody would like to learn more, feel free to reach out and contact us at Fortify. I'm always uh, uh, more than willing to chat with people about their application security initiatives. Very good. The topic has been application security. We've been talking with Roger Thornton, founder and chief technology officer with Fortify Software. For Information Security Media Group and for Fortify Software, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.